Um, pay attention. It's a title. But seriously, pay attention. Pay attention. This is the remedy to theological or for theological amnesia. We are a forgetful people. We forget things all the time. There's this echo throughout the Old Testament in the New, and it goes like this. Remember who I am and remember what I've done. Don't forget. Don't forget. Remember. Pay attention. Keep this ever before you. You know, it's easy. I think most believers, if we're going to be honest, we read through the first 20 chapters of Exodus, and there's excitement. We, we see the plagues, the Passover, God's rescue. We see the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire, um, the Ten Commandments. These are all high points. And then we get to these laws, and you might say the minutia of the law, and it's like, come on, like, let's, let's move on. But I don't want us to miss the significance. One, this is God's Word, so we need to be reverent, Amen. Um, there needs to be some awe and wonder before what we're hearing. But l- let me just go back to Exodus 20. Exodus 20 begins with the Ten Commandments, all right? In the first half, deal with God and his relationship to man. So there's the vertical emphasis. And then the second half, man's relationship to man. There's the horizontal. God cares how his rescued people relate to him and to one another. Okay, so after Exodus 20, after the Ten Commandments, we get more law, but it's really a filling out of the Ten Commandments. And so what we saw two weeks ago, there was an emphasis on the vertical. This is why this is so spectacular. God doesn't just save his people and say, good luck, my friends. Have fun out there. I hope you figure it out. No, he rescues them by grace, and then by grace, he instructs them. He teaches them how to live as his rescued people. God cares how his rescued people relate to him and how his rescued people relate to each other. Okay, so last week we looked at the horizontal. Now the pendulum is going to swing back to the vertical. These vertical laws that we just heard, these vertical laws are meant to help Israel remember both who the Lord is and what he'd done. So again, the title, Pay Attention, The Remedy to Theological Amnesia, the big idea, remembering who God is and what he's done is integral to our sanctification, which is a big word. All it means is becoming more and more like Christ. If you want to become more like Christ, what is key? Remembering both who Christ is and what he's done. If you don't wish to grow as a Christian, then forget who Christ is and what he's done, because you will not grow. If you wish to grow, remember who Christ is and what he's done, and that takes a regular daily intake of this. Amen? All right. Um, Who enjoys forgetting things? Hopefully none of us, right? Oh, I love forgetting important things like our anniversary. Now, husbands, don't raise your hands, but I want to give some bad examples, okay? So, the first, th- this is a nightmare for husbands, for marriages. You forgot your anniversary. Good luck with that. <laughs> You're in the doghouse, right? That's bad news. You forgot that meeting with that potential client. This was a big account, and you forgot. He showed up. You weren't there. Good luck. Even worse, maybe, is your child's birthday. Not that you forgot the birthday, but you forgot to invite that one family member, and now she feels left out. Good luck with that. That's going to be fun, right? Can't wait to get together as a family again. Being forgetful often carries with it dire consequences, right? So, again, you hear laws about the Sabbath and these different festivals or celebrations. You're like, come on, how does that apply to us? It does in a big way. All right, I hope by God's grace to show us that this morning. But this particular section of laws relate to annual celebrations. If something is annual, it, what? It's every year. I mean, you can expect it. It's reoccurring, okay? There's a reason for that, because we're what? We're forgetful. We need to be reminded, okay? So, again, this particular section of laws relates to annual 
celebrations, repeated events, and Israel's regular worship. Again, why the repetition? Why the annual reminders? Because we are, by nature, very, very forgetful. I'll I'll be the first to admit it. These laws, namely the the festivals and celebrations highlighted in this particular section, I know it's long, but if you pay attention, and again, I'm going to try to show this this morning, all of these laws are theological in nature, meaning these laws pertain to who God is, what he's like, and what he's done. Okay, Who God is, what he's like, and what he's done. So, what grace? God gives us laws to show us who he is, what he's like, and to remind us of what he's done. The purpose of these laws was for Israel to keep the Lord at the forefront of their minds. All right, so what's our trajectory today? Where are we headed? Five big questions. How many? We have five, all right? Number one, why are we so forgetful when it comes to God? Does that frustrate you? The things that we should remember, we often forget. The things that we should keep at the forefront of our minds, we often let go. So number one, why are we often so forgetful when it comes to God? Number two, what happens when we forget who God is and what he's done? So I think we would all admit we are forgetful, but what happens, number two, when we do forget those things? Number three, what is the purpose of these laws? Especially that last one. Let me just read it again. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Anyone do that recently? <laughs> Probably not, but again, it's, it's really important. It's in God's Word, and, and some of these laws we may laugh at or just, you know, what does that mean? It's there for a reason. And even though we're not Israel, it, it does have something to say to us today as God's people. Amen. So we'll get there. You probably can't wait. Can you start with that, Chris? No, you've got to be patient. That, that's why you can't leave. you just got to stay, pay attention, and we'll get to verse 19. Number four. And I've tried to answer these, this question, this particular question every week. How do these laws point to Christ in the gospel? How do these particular laws that we just read point to Christ in the gospel? And then number five, how might we apply our passage? Maybe that's what you're really interested in. How do we apply this? All right, number one, why are we so forgetful when it comes to God? Why do we need to be reminded? I think we'd all admit because we are sinners. We're sinners. We are ungrateful. This is probably my favorite quote by John Calvin. He wrote, the human heart is an idle factory. The human heart is good at one thing, producing idols, a plethora of idols, an abundance of of idols. And this is proven true with Israel in just a few chapters. We're, we're going to see it in chapter 32. The idols in our life quickly hijack our time. We spend our time because of sin, right? Because of sin, our hearts are idol factories. And because we have idols, all of us, we spend our time on lesser things and neglect, as a result, the Lord's word, prayer, and his people, the very things, prayer, his word, and his church, the very things intended to help us remember who God is and what he's done, and this for our maturity in Christ. This is what God is warning us of in verse 13, and verse 13 is the key verse in our passage. It's where we get, pay attention, shamar in Hebrew, and I'll unpack that. God knows that idols have the power to eclipse our vision of him, don't they? They distract us from seeing what's really important. As soon as Israel stops looking to God, they will begin, and we do the same thing, looking to themselves and to the world. Our idols are powerful, aren't they? Lord, help us. We are easily distracted, and it's our idols that work hard to get our attention off of the Lord. So why are we so forgetful when it comes to God? Because we're sinners and we have idols. Number two, what happens when we forget who God is and what he's done? Well, we turn to sin. We turn to sin. We abandon the Lord and his people. 
we pursue, we pursue the world and what it has to offer because we have forgotten the truths of God's word. Do you see how important this is? We mustn't ever forget who God is, what he's like, and what he's done. Because as soon as we do, we turn to other things, lesser things. And those lesser things that we give our hearts to get us into trouble. It's true. Man, Judges, case in point. Judges 3.7. Now think about Israel's rich history. God had showed up in a powerful way. We have the plagues, God's provision, the Passover, pillar of cloud, a lot of peace, a lot of repetition, a lot of alliteration, pillar of fire, all those things. But what happens when God's people forget these things? When they forget their rich history, what happens? What happens when we, church, forget the gospel? We forget who Jesus is and what he's done. Judges 3.7. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, they forgot. They forgot. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asheroth. They served idols because they forgot. Pay attention. Hey, church, pay attention. Remember, remember who God is and what he's done. Why are we here today? Why did you get up this morning and come to church? Why did you make this a priority? Were you tired this morning? Maybe you wanted to sleep in. Maybe it was hard to get up, but you came. Why? Because hopefully, like me, you know how important it is that we are reminded of who God is and what he's done. Why do we sing the songs that we sing? Why do we pray the praise that we pray? Why do we look at this book and not just read it, but teach from it? Because we need to be reminded of who God is and what he's done, and it's found here. It's found here, amen? This is the remedy to theological amnesia. Judges 8.34, again, And the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. Don't forget, pay attention, remember. Number three, our longest point this morning. What is the purpose of these laws? Again, the pendulum has swung back to the, the vertical because God cares how we relate to him. God cares. He rescues us by grace. He gives us his word to show us how we are to relate to him and to one another. So there's three divisions in this passage, three different types of laws. We have Sabbath laws, festival laws, and worship laws. First, Sabbath laws, verses 10 to 12. If you're taking notes, this is your first fill in the blank. These laws... Verses 10 to 12, the Sabbath laws. These laws bring to light the Lord's power, glory, compassion, and trustworthiness, or you could put his faithfulness. These laws, the Sabbath laws, what is the purpose of them? They bring to light the Lord's power, glory, compassion, and trustworthiness. Let me show you how. Why the Sabbath? What was the Sabbath a reminder of? It mirrors something. Go back to Genesis 1, and what is God found doing? He is creating. And then on the seventh day, he he rests. So God's people are to work for six days, and on the seventh they rest as a way of remembering that God is the the creator. So the purpose of the Sabbath year Right? So after six years, on the seventh year, the land was to rest. The purpose of that in the regular Sabbath day each week was to point God's people back to what? Creation. To creation. Now, creation declares something very important. Are you ready? God is the creator and we're not. But we forget that, don't we? I know I do. Do we need to be reminded of that? Man, read Romans 1, 2, and 3. As soon as we get that reversed, oh, I almost said something. I think it'd be okay. I'm not going to. I was going to say all heck breaks loose. But it really does. As soon as we get that order reversed, we think that we're the creator, and we begin to look to creation, every other relationship gets turned upside down. So again, God in his grace says, hey, I want you to remember this, that I'm the creator and you're not. You're the creation. And because he's the creator and we're the creation, it means that God owns us. We're his. 
That's humbling, and it's good. God is all-sovereign. God is all-powerful. That is what Genesis 1 and 2 declare. And again, God owns us by virtue of the fact that he made us. Now, what kind of creator is he? Okay, so this is important. Did God just create and then say, I'm out? Good luck. No. He's not the God of the deists, right? He's a personal God. He's a relational God. And as we see in our passage, he's a compassionate God. What does the text say? What was the reason for letting the ground rest? The Sabbath year was for the sake of the poor, so that they might have food to eat. It was so that the beasts of the field may eat. The Lord cares for his creation. He's good. Furthermore, the purpose of the Sabbath was so that God's people might trust who? Themselves? No, the Lord for their provision. God's people were called to trust the Lord for his sufficient provision. Even in the years when Israel was commanded to let the ground rest, the Lord would do what? He'd provide. Finally, finally, the Sabbath was a call to worship. It was a call to rest in the Lord by fixing one's attention on the all-glorious and all-powerful Creator, the compassionate God who cares for His people. The Sabbath laws were a reminder of God's identity. He's creator and he's compassionate. He's good. He's faithful. He alone is creator. He alone is God. What happens when we forget that? We assume his place. And what happens when we assume his place? All heck breaks loose, right? Being careful there. Bad things. Bad things. He alone, God alone, deserves our lives and our allegiance. Next we have the festival laws. Who who likes a good party? We went to a birthday party yesterday, a lot of screaming kids, a lot of candy. It was a lot of fun. Bounce house. Woo! We enjoy those things. We love to get together with friends and celebrate. God's people were commanded to gather every year three times to celebrate. Why? Why? Because God's people must never forget. If you're taking notes, these laws, the festival laws, bring to light the Lord's rescue, presence, provision, and the gift of his word. Oh, okay, so again, these laws, these festivals, they bring to light the Lord's rescue. We need to be reminded, God's people need to be reminded that he's a God of rescue, which Reminds us that we need what? We need rescuing. (laughs) He's the Savior. We're the the saved. His presence, provision, and the gift of his word. All right, so let's quickly walk through these annual feasts. Now, don't get too hungry. All right, we still got a little time. Don't be distracted. Pay attention. Pay attention. First, we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This was to serve as an annual commemoration or reminder of of the Passover, God's great rescuing event, his provision of a substitute. The eating of unleavened bread was a reminder of their hasty departure from Egypt. Again, this feast reminded God's people of God's rescue. He is a saving God. He is a rescuing God. You needed rescue and God graciously provided it. Not because of anything good you did, because he's good. Amen? This was a celebration of the Lord's salvation. Next, we have the Feast of Harvest. Harvest. This festival, also known as the Festival of Weeks, took place seven weeks after the Passover. Later became known as Pentecost. The purpose of this feast was to commemorate or remember the giving of God's law. His word. It was a celebration of God's word. God rescues, so we celebrate it. God gives his word, so we, we celebrate it. We remember it. <clears throat> the last one is this, the Feast of Ingathering. 
this festival, also known as the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, commemorated Israel's wilderness wanderings when they lived in tents. And who was with them, guiding them, providing for them, giving them food? The Lord. The Lord was with his people, leading, guiding, and providing for them. This final festival marked the end of the agricultural year. More than anything, it was a thanksgiving festival. Now, according to verse 17, all Hebrew males were required to be there, to attend these feasts. Now, women were not prohibited from attending, but as the heads of their families, the men, the men of Israel were called to lead their families in worship. Do you know what these feasts did? They told the story. These three feasts functioned in such a way as to tell Israel's story. It was a reminder of what God had graciously done for his people. He gave them rescue. He gave them his word. He provided for their physical needs. Don't forget who God is and what he's done. Don't forget. Their history was theological and that involved the work of the Lord, namely his work of rescue and his generous and gracious provision. All right, so that's the first section. I'm sorry, that's the second section. So we have Sabbath laws, festival laws, and then worship laws. Number three, worship laws. Here's your last fill in the blank. These laws, these worship laws, now we're about to get to the, the young goat. Don't boil that goat in its mother's milk. Don't do it. These laws bring to light the Lord's supreme worth. Because the Lord is worthy, Israel's worship must be holy and intentional. They must bring their best. Why is God deserving of our best? Because he's what? He's, he's worthy. He's worthy. All right, so three things. How many? Three. Three things here related to the practice of worship. The first two are prohibitions. First, Israel was not to offer the blood of sacrifices with anything leavened. Leaven worked like yeast. It caused the dough to rise. Now, what is going on here? Again, for our modern ears, it's like a blank stare. During the headlights, like, what do we do with this? What is going on here? Leaven, leaven would be considered an impurity if mixed with the blood of sacrifice. Leaven symbolized, it symbolized impurity, it symbolized sin, which, we would agree, had no place among God's people. So what should we do with sin? We get it out, right? Sin has no place among God's people. As Tony Merida writes, thus, getting rid of the leaven represented getting rid of sin. That makes sense, right? If leaven symbolized impurity, sin, it has no place in the worship of God's people. So what do you do with it? You get it out. It's a reminder that God's people, called to worship God, must get what out of their community? Sin. And as God's people rescued through Christ, what should we get out of the church? Let's get it out. Get it out. Secondly, there was the command, the prohibition, not to let the fat from the offering remain until the next day. Why? If this happened, the fat would spoil, become rancid, unfit for worship. Now, why does that matter? Because God is what? He's holy. He's holy. Therefore, Israel's worship must be pure. It must be holy. Now, second, according to verse 19, Israel was instructed to bring the best. Everybody say the best. The best of the first fruits of the ground into the house of the Lord. Now, the principle here is clear. Because the Lord is most what? He's most worthy. He deserves our, our best. Our best. Our what? Our best. Do we need to be reminded of that church 
that God deserves our best. What will remind us of that when we, God's people, open God's word and learn again every week, hopefully every day, that God is good, faithful, loving, merciful, kind. He's the best. Therefore, he deserves our our best. Amen? All right, finally, you guys are ready. Drum roll. We have the prohibition in verse 19. It reads, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. I don't think any of us have done that. What's going on here? And this is helpful. Most scholars agree that such a practice was common among the pagans, occurring in magical arts, fertility religions. So God's people, because the pagans did it, should not do it because their worship should not look like the pagans. Israel's worship was called to be holy, which means set apart. If their worship resembled the nations, they would be more tempted to worship like the the nations. Israel's worship was called to be guided by God's word and not by the common pagan practices of the time. And again, we've talked about this already. Church, we're going to get into trouble when our worship resembles the world, right? When it becomes more entertainment-focused, more seeker-sensitive, when we change the message just a little bit because it's easier on modern ears. We don't want to offend anybody, do we? Hey, I bet, guys, listen, I bet, you ready? If we just change things a little bit, we could double our size. But is that going to honor the Lord? No. Should the world govern and regulate how we gather or God's word? Say it again. Amen. Amen. That's never changed and it never will change. Amen? It's never changed and it never will change. All right. Again, what's the purpose of these laws? I told you the key verse is found where? Verse 13. The reason for these laws... The Sabbath laws, the festival laws, the worship laws is found in verse 13. And again, this is the main or key verse in our passage. Verse 13, pay attention. That's not me talking, that's the word. It says, literally, shamar, pay attention. Pay attention to all, not some, not what you like, but pay attention to all God says that I've said to you. And make no mention of the names of other gods, nor let it be heard on your lips. Here we have, here we see the reason for these laws. This is cool. This warning in verse 13 is sandwiched between these vertical laws. Here's the reason. What's the best part of the sandwich? I like good bread. I like artisan bread or is it artesian bread? Artisan bread, okay, whatever, potato, potato. Um, I like good bread, but, I mean, come on. The middle of the sandwich is the best, right? I mean, meat, cheese, good dressing, jalapenos, banana peppers. We're all going to Subway. Okay, don't miss it. Sorry, I'm not trying to promote Subway here. The point is this. Sandwiched between these vertical laws is the purpose, the meat, the substance. Here's why God's people were called to heed these things. God was trying to protect them. Against what? Against what? What were the first two questions? Do you recall? Why don't we do the things we're supposed to do? What happens when we don't do them? We don't do them because we're prone to to idol worship, right? We're sinners. What's verse 13 all about? Preventing idol worship. What's the purpose for these laws? To prevent idol worship. These laws were intended to prevent idolatry, the worship of false gods. These regular, and and that's why it's so beautiful. It's not just, hey, do it once and you can check the box and you're good. But no, we need to do these things regularly because we need to often be reminded of who God is and what he's done so that we don't fall back into what? Idolatry. God is good, amen? Listen, these regular reminders programmed into the life of Israel were meant to point them to the Lord, namely 
who he is and what he done, lest they forget and attribute their rescue to foreign false deeds, which, by the way, they did. I want to examine this verse more carefully. Can we, quickly? Is that okay? Okay, so first we have the word shamar, which is what? Pay attention, Cody. Pay attention. Good. But the verb itself means to do something carefully and attentively. Now, this is good. To keep watch, shamar. To guard, shamar. To observe. When something is highly valuable, what do we do? We watch over it. Who's got kids? A lot of us. Do any of us, when we have toddler-age kids, take them to the park, drop them off, go do our grocery shopping, and come back? Please don't say yes. (laughs) I will get CPS involved, okay? Yeah, isn't that normal? No, it's not normal. It'll be fine. Why do we not do that? Because we value our children. Therefore, we watch over our... I'm not saying be helicopter parents. I'm saying, man, we watch over what's valuable. Is true? I think we all agree. I hope so. God's word, his commands, his truth, highly valuable. Amen? So what should we do with it? We should watch over it. We should guard it. We should hide it. Where? In our hearts. In our hearts. These laws were for Israel's good, to guide them in the way that is right and God-honoring, and to protect them and keep them from the way of death. Again, why, why the command not to invoke the names of foreign and false deities? This was at the heart of worship. Doug Stewart writes, calling on gods by name has always been essential to worshiping and obeying them. To prohibit saying a god's name is to prohibit all exercise of the religion associated with that god. Verse 13 was a call for Israel to give their whole allegiance, not just part of it, not just, not just some of it, but to give their whole allegiance to the Lord and to come under his word together. To forget the Lord and his benefits could, and I would say inevitably would, lead to what? Idolatry. So we got to what? we got to pay attention. we got to remember who God is and what he's done. Now, here's the big question. <clears throat> I don't think any of us journey to Jerusalem three times a year for these festivals. I don't. So how do these laws point to Christ in the gospel? We are not commanded to continue recognizing these pilgrim festivals. We, again, we don't have to travel to Jerusalem three times a year for these feasts. However, we are commanded to commemorate the Lord. Amen? We are. The one meal that the Lord has instituted and established for his church, we're going to take tonight, it's called the Lord's Supper. And the purpose of this meal that we're going to take tonight is to gather with God's rescued people and to remember to commemorate the death of Jesus. Amen? Lest we forget. Again, like the festivals of old, this meal, the Lord's Supper, recognizes and celebrates the Lord's gracious provision, His rescue and His grace. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 26 For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took bread. And when He given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, not only, not only the Lord's Supper, but the Lord's Day every Sunday is an opportunity, commanded by God, by the way. It's not just, hey, if you feel like it, and I'll give you scriptural support for that here shortly, but not just the Lord's Supper, but the Lord's Day every Sunday is an opportunity for the church to gather to remember and to celebrate and to commemorate who the Lord is and what he's done. Amen? And how dare we neglect this day? I'm not saying don't take a vacation now and again. I'm saying please don't make it a pattern, a regular practice to neglect gathering with God's people because what are you cutting out of your life? An important reminder commanded by God. Why do we gather? We gather to remember. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. You ready? Hebrews 10, and you're probably thinking, he's going to start where? 24. No, I'm going to start in 23. We don't tend to start there, but let's start there now. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession. Oh, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. What is that? What confession is he talking about? The gospel, the good news. That is the confession of our hope, who Christ is and what he's done. Amen? He's saying, hold fast to that. Cling to it. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. All right. And here's the part we're more familiar with. And let us consider how to stir up, or the Greek, provoke one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near until Christ returns, God's people should be found weekly gathering together to stir up one another to loving good works and remembering together the message of hope, the gospel, lest we forget. Amen? I hope you heard it. I, I read verse 23 intentionally. I didn't lose my place. Before the command to gather, there's another command. What was it? The command to what? To hold fast the confession of our hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, we gather for this very purpose, namely to commemorate our confession of faith through song, prayer, and preaching. Amen? We gather to commemorate to remember our confession of faith through song, prayer, and preaching. And if you don't gather, what are you not hearing or being reminded of? Our confession of faith, which we're commanded not to do. Amen? This is not legalism. This is lordship salvation. Meaning, when Jesus is your Lord, you say, okay, God, what does your word say? I'm coming under it. I'm in. I'm going to do it. And what does God tell us to do? To gather. Why? So that we remember what? Who Christ is and what he's, what he's done. Does that make sense? Now, let me give you three things here. Okay, so the Sabbath points back to what? What event? The first event, right? Creation, okay? So, but what we learn, again, how does our passage point to Christ? How does our passage point to the gospel? Not only did God create but he is also the author of new creation, giving spiritual life to the spiritually dead through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, in our passage, again, these festivals pointed back to God's rescue. Amen? And God's people were called to remember God's rescue. But the God who rescued Israel has, through Jesus, provided rescue for the, the world. Now, anyone who trusts in Jesus can be what? Brought into God's family. And then thirdly, the God who provided the sacrificial system, because, again, that last category of laws dealt with Israel's worship. There was language regarding sacrifice. The God who provided the sacrificial system offered himself once and for all to provide forgiveness and healing for his people, right, through the death of Jesus. If you're taking notes, I think I put this in there, but our passage points to a greater 
work of rescue and a greater sacrifice. Our passage points to a greater work of rescue and a greater sacrifice. What is that greater work of rescue? It's the cross and the empty tomb. Who's the greater sacrifice? Jesus. Those who have benefited from this work of rescue and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ are called to regularly remember the gospel with God's people. And this is why we gather. We gather to remember. We gather to celebrate who God is and what he's done. Now lastly, how might we apply our passage? Last question, how might we apply our passage? How do we remind ourselves of who God is and what he's done? Can we at least agree that it is important to be reminded of who God is and what he's done? Yes. Okay, so that's the first thing. The second thing is, how do we do that? How do we do that? The ordinary means of grace. And what are they? Read the word, pray, and gather. The purpose of these things is to remember who God is and what he's done. And this is necessary for our ongoing sanctification and perseverance in the faith. Let's start with the Bible. We read the Bible to remember that Jesus is Savior and Lord. We read the Bible to remember that God is faithful, merciful, gracious, sovereign, holy, awesome, wise, and loving. We read the Bible to remember that those who are in Christ are a new creation, righteous, and have the hope of eternal life in heaven. Amen? Do we need to be reminded of these things? Where are we reminded of these things? In the Bible. In the Bible. We pray to remember. So we read the Bible to remember, and we pray to remember. For as we pray the truths and promises of God, we are reminding ourselves of who God is and what he's done. Again, God speaks to us through his word. We respond back in prayer. We're praying back to him what he's shown us and told us in his word. And as we hear these things, when we're praying, we're being reminded of who God is and what he's done. Amen? And that for our what? Our sanctification. And then lastly, as far as the means of grace, the ordinary means of grace, we gather to be reminded in what we hear sung, prayed, and preached. We gather to sing about, pray about, read about, and hear the wonderful truths of God's word in the full counsel of God. The purpose of these festivals that we just talked about was for God's people, one, to gather, and not just to gather, but to gather to be reminded of who God is and what he'd done. And why do we gather? To remember who God is and what he's done. How are you doing in these areas? How are you doing here? If these are the primary ways that we are reminded of who God is and what he's done, and if being reminded is integral to our sanctification, our ongoing growth in Christ's likeness, then how dare we neglect these things? We need the word, we need prayer, and we need the people of God, the church. Amen? Finally, we must give the Lord our best. We must give the Lord our best. Why? Because he is, he's worthy, right? He's worthy. What are some things we value? Our finances, our time, our gifts. We must as God's rescued people in Christ, be willing to give the Lord our best, not just the leftovers. He is worthy of our best. Remember how God is described in our passage. He is creator. Whoa, right? Whoa, I didn't do that. He did. He is rescuer. He's compassionate. He's holy. He's worthy. Therefore, give him your very best. Give him your very life. That's what Paul's up to in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Romans 1 to 11, 11 chapters unpacking the gospel, unpacking who Christ is and what he'd done to save sinners like us. That's a lot of chapters to unpack the gospel. 
And then in 12, there's a transition. Now he's saying, okay, church, I've taken 11 chapters to unpack the gospel. Now I'm going to take 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. How many is that? Five? 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Five chapters to give you your response to the gospel. And how does he begin? Chapter 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, therefore, by the mercies of God, the gospel that I just took 11 chapters to unpack. So on the basis of that, what? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual or the Greek logikos, reasonable, logical worship. It is logical. It makes sense that we would give God, our very best, our lives in response to his salvation. Amen? Let me end with two passages from the Old Testament. One from the Old, one from the New by way of reminder. So pay attention. <laughs> Psalm 103, 1-6. to Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits. And here they are, who forgives all your iniquity. Do we need to be reminded of that, his forgiveness? Who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. What's the main message there? forget not all his benefits. Remember, pay attention. And then in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Now I would remind you, brothers, when you remind somebody, what are you doing? You're, don't be smart, you're reminding them, of course, but you're repeating something that you've already said. You've said something previously, but you're saying it again. Why? Why do parents repeat things to their kids? Because they're important. Paul is talking to believers here. They know the gospel. They trusted in Jesus. But he says, now, towards the end of his letter, I would remind you, brothers, Christians, of the gospel I preach to you. Do we need to be reminded of the gospel, church? Every day? Every minute of every day? It's why we read and pray and gather to be what? Reminded. Which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. How have you responded to the gospel? Do you know it? Do you know it? If you do, how are you responding today? Are you reminding yourself daily of who God is and what he's done? Are you preaching the gospel to yourself daily, reminding yourself of who you were before faith in Christ, what Christ did to save you, and who you are, are now as a Christian, having trusted in Jesus by grace through faith? First, have you trusted in Jesus? If not, do that today. Get off the throne. Acknowledge that you're not king, that Jesus is king. Turn from your sin and trust in Christ. If you are a Christian, remind yourself of the gospel daily so as to prevent theological amnesia because as soon as we forget, what happens? Bad things, man. Bad things. Let me end with a story and then I'm going to pray. I had a, a kind of a rough day yesterday. Nothing major at all. You know, we, we tend to blow up our circumstances, you know. But three things happened, kind of all at once. And uh, I told Haley, I said, babe, I, I'm probably not very pleasant to be around right now. And she said, I'm, I'm glad you said it. <laughs> and so I was walking with Clark in our yard, and I said, buddy, I'm sorry if I've been a little grumpy today. I'm not yelling or anything. I'm just, I was kind of down because of these three things that happened. Again, not, not major life-shattering events. And I said, but you know what, buddy? I need to be reminded of who Christ is and what he's done. And then Clark gave me the gospel. Thank you, buddy. We talked about who Jesus is, the forgiveness that's found in Christ. And I said, honestly, Clark, he, and he knew the three things. I said, these things pale in light of who Jesus is and what he's done. 
it's so easy to get discouraged, right, church? I mean, things happen, life happens. Why do we need to be reminded? These reminders enable us, by God's grace, to persevere. They show us how silly we can be, how meaningless some of our worries and concerns are in light of eternity and the assurance we now have in Christ. So, church, what do we need? We need to be reminded. Why do we gather? To be reminded. Why do we read God's Word? To be reminded. Why do we pray? To be reminded. So, remind yourselves, remind each other, and let's follow Jesus together. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is full of gracious reminders, and that in your word, you call us to remember, God, who you are and what you've done. We thank you that you don't just save us and leave us to ourselves, but you save us by grace, and then you give us your word. You instruct us how to live as your people in right relation to you and to one another. Help us to be a church, Father, that comes under your word together. I pray that our lives lived together, our worship when we gather, everything that we do from the time we get up until we go to bed will be guided and informed by your word. Help us to be a pure, spotless bride. Help us to be a holy church. Father, help us to be a missional church to not only remind ourselves and each other of the gospel, but to take this same gospel, this same good news that has so transformed us and to give it to the world around us. To tell the world, our classmates, our neighbors, our unsaved friends and family members, co-workers, the good news that Jesus is the Savior who lived the life that we could not live because we're sinners and died the death that we deserve to die on the cross and rose again, defeating death, making a way for sinners like us to be forgiven and right with you, God. We thank you for that good news. Again, I pray that that good news will be on the forefront of our minds all the time. In Jesus' name, amen.